<coughs> came across an article from <coughs> Prohasana. Chat he gave in 2010. So I can't give a reference to it or guide you to it, but it was called Gratitude. So if you Google Gratitude, I love Prabhasana. At the time, it was Ajahnasana. But I'll read from an excerpt from that later. Uh, in just a little bit, and, uh, it was a good topic for me today. But I came very early this morning and Googled that topic and uh, came up with this. Yesterday, we had a dozen people that showed up to help do some cleaning and kind of popped in and out. And uh, I don't know if you can notice, but the center looks beautiful, both downstairs and upstairs and bathrooms, and even the little chandeliers are cleared of bugs. <laughs> After two and a half years of not having a group, having many people here, uh, we had quite a nice collection, a diverse collection of bugs. <laughs> <laughs> Not a nice collection of volunteers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of the things that struck me about yesterday was when we, we had a, a lunch together. We had pizza, and uh, and with and everyone that was sitting around having pizza at some time or another during lunch commented on their gratitude of this place, their gratitude of their Dharma friends, their gratitude of even being able to come together again and work on cleaning the place. And, and I thought that was really quite beautiful because, you know, we're, it's, it's a lovely and very essential attitude in the Buddhist teachings in the Buddhist dispensations. And Lomprabhasana speaks about this, how gratitude expands our, opens our minds and heart to the beauties and benefits of the world and of each other. It, it opens, we, we connect e easily with empathy and compassion, um, in ways that when we aren't prone for gratitude, we have we narrow our experience of the wholesome because we don't have an instant uh, um, that benefit, that nourishing feeling of appreciation for each other. So uh, Alistair had a uh, my husband, Alistair, had a uh, reunion that he had to go to, so he left the, before I left the center. And un, unbeknownst to either of us, or we've, what we forgot was that he borrowed my key, car keys, to get something out of my car. And uh, 
stuck them in his pocket and then left. <laughs> so I was left without a way home or a way to get into the house. Um, but one of the Nathan uh, volunteered to uh, drive me home and uh, called Alistair, fortunately, caught him in the shower and asked him to keep the door unlocked. Don't lock the front door because you have my keys. <laughs> so I was able to get into the house and I got home easily enough. Well, this morning, <laughs> I woke up and uh, uh, woke up a little early and Alistair is out in the living room wrapped up in blankets. I'm like, are you okay? He's like, I got food poisoning from my reunion. <laughs> He's been, he was up all night. Ill, very ill, quite ill, and he was just starting to feel a little better. And then he gets this text saying, You have to come into work, be here by six, so it's five in the morning. And he was, and he never gets scheduled for Fridays because he's here, and, and they know that. They, they actually they know that because when he took this job, he told them, My wife is a pastor, so I need to go and be present to support her work at the center um, every Sunday. So he's never been scheduled for Sunday before. For some reason, they, he got scheduled. They think they think um, we're Christian. <laughs> <laughs> they probably tell him. Nobody understands what a Buddhist pastor is. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so he's sitting there with stomach cramps and having to go in. And <laughs> So I'm like, don't worry about going into the center. You know, we'll figure something out. So he gets stressed and goes in. And I drop an email to Sarah and say, I don't know that you're even going to pick this up, but uh, if you can come in and help us run the Zoom, that would be good. If you can't come in, don't worry about it. If you don't even see this, don't fret. I'll run in and Jessica can teach. But I got an email back real quickly saying, not coming in. And, uh, you know, no hesitation whatsoever. So, instant, I got to feel what Vipassana was talking about. You know, this instant sense of gratitude feels really good. It opens the heart. You get nourished from the wholesomeness of others if you're open to it. And gratitude will allow you to take in this and be nourished by other people's goodness. So I'd also had dropped Jessica an email saying, you know, I just realized <laughs> Alistair had to go in. Gave the whole layout. It's been a very confusing morning, crazy morning. Alistair is sick, but he had got he got called into work. He's gone. And I just realized I don't have a car. <laughs> so the center, but I'm gonna get it, I'm gonna use Uber. We'll get down there, Sarah's coming. And she just writes back and says, Oh my gosh, that is a crazy morning. What can I do to help? And yeah, I mean, you know, just like immediately the sense of gratitude. It's so beautiful to have people in this community like Sarah and Jessica and all the people that came yesterday that just are <laughs> there without hesitation to be supportive. 
you know, it's, uh, and I got to feel this lovely, I got nourished yesterday because of people's gratitude. I got to feel gratitude for them. I got to feel gratitude to give this morning and be nourished by, you know, the, the generosity of my community, of this community I find it all to it. It's, it's really quite beautiful. I want to share an example of how a person's attitude can be a beautiful benefit to others just because of their tendency toward gratitude. This is um, an example they give of Lama Vipassana. Talk about somebody's skill in the development of gratitude. So uh, there's only two people besides Alistair and I who know this story. And, uh, and you'll understand why in a minute. It's, all, it's only now that I feel that I can share it because it's rather embarrassing. But, uh, so Long Proposal was up many months ago, last summer, and um, Alistair and I were, um, had the good fortune of picking him up from the airport when he arrived. So he had to, he had to make a quick jaunt out of town, and then he came back, and his plane wasn't coming back in until 10.30 at night. And, uh, Alistair and I were to pick him up and push him overnight, drive him out to the Pacific Hermitage the next day. And we forgot. We both went to bed. Our phones go off. We both have our phones set up to go off so we're not disturbed once we go to well, actually at like eight in the evening. And at about three o'clock in the morning, Alistair's, Alistair has to stretch during the night. He has to do some yoga during the night to take the bed, bed back. And so three o'clock in the morning, he gets up to stretch. He's running back into the bedroom and goes, oh my God. What, 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 what? Who forgot to pick up up our bus? <laughs> Three o'clock in the morning, he's been at the airport <laughs> this entire time. <laughs> I got my phone <laughs> messages, texts, you know, many, many texts. I don't know what to do. And he was just worried sick that something had happened to us because we're so responsible. <laughs> Such responsible. Never entered his mind that we simply went to bed. So, <laughs> To talk about horrifying. So Alistair just being three o'clock in the morning, he was very kind. He just threw out his clothes and took off to the airport. And I'm texting, look, poor Alistair's on his way. Are you still there? And then I have to text Alistair to say, yes, he's still there or not. And he's like, yep, I'm still here. <laughs> well, Lombard has um, physical ailments. He broke completely and shattered his pelvis when he was a young monk. And um, as he gets older, he's suffering some of the consequences 
once having shattered his pelvis. And so for him to be sitting in an airport for all these hours, I know it's going to be quite painful. He never mentions it. And so Alistair picks him up, gets him home, and Lombard was just walking back and forth by the doors where you first walk in. Alistair found him right away and greeted him. Lombard greets him very kindly with a big smile, and he takes him out to the air, takes him out to Pacific Hermitage, and comes back and remarks about, you know, he was in really good spirits. He was really, he was really fine. Uh, but of course, Alistair is still feeling embarrassed by this, but not feeling guilty. And so I wrote Lung for Pasano, um that day, the next day, or whatever, I guess it would be that day. And to apologize and offer to and offered uh, a two-hour massage to help his body recuperate. Mm -hmm. um, and he gladly accepted that. And so I did a little searching. I hired somebody, and that person never came, showed up to oh. give him his <laughs> massage. And I didn't know that until checking in with him about a week later, and he's about ready to go back down to the chair. And I was just, I just felt sick. I started to suffer again. Yeah. Oh my God, <laughs> not only did we forget, but he didn't get, you know, taken care of. And so anyway, so I apologized again and, he, and offered to, you know, to hire somebody once he's down at the bike here, I can hire somebody from the county to come in and give you a massage. And he, he says, you know, that's really not necessary. So the intention was there, and I'm very, very grateful for that. It was very kind. But we, I have people down there who give me their kid massages, so please don't worry about it. Thank you very much for your for your thoughtfulness. And I just that was just so beautiful. That generous attitude just put me at ease and Alistair at ease and just appreciate so much the uh, the kindness, the gratitude that he showed and was an acknowledgement of an, uh, a, a, a wholesome intention, a kind intention, even though that it didn't come through. It was still an acknowledgement that gave me the gift of um, well-being. You know, my heart immediately opens to accept the gratitude from this person, from something I was unable to give, but my, but recognize the intention. So that was just, you know, we we don't want to um, ignore the benefits of our gratitude that has for other people if we're open to recognize the beauty of wholesomeness in others. We are ourselves nourished by that. Then it's an impetus for us. It's an inspiration for us to recognize gratitude, to bring that attitude up as often as possible, because it's not only a nourishment for our hearts, but potentially a really a gift for others, for those around us. So I'll share this um, talk by Lumpur that 
it's it's a bit of bridge meaning I didn't change anything in here, but I did uh, skip out a couple of pieces. It was it was quite a long talk, but bits that I think you'll be able to relate to for this particular morning. So it's called cultivating gratitude. On Saturday night, Ajahnaro talked on the theme of gratitude, and I'm going to speak on the same thing, mainly because Yang Plern is putting this up to it. <laughs> she was saying that people have been teasing her that she always prints books in Thai and never prints anything in English. So she started thinking ahead to the dedication ceremony of our new month's utility building on July 4th this year, and that was the year of 2010. She wants to print a book and use Adam Williams' piece on gratitude that he wrote when he was here. She asked us if Arjun Amaral and I would speak on gratitude, and then she'll take those notes, transcribe them, and put them into a little booklet for free distribution. I thought that was a wonderful idea. Of course, now I have to think of something to say. <laughs> on a certain level, just a young learn had that kind of idea, that intention, is something worthy of gratitude. A sense that somebody wants to help us out. Somebody wants to do something that's of benefit to others. That's something to be grateful for. When people want to do that, we should pay attention to those things and recognize them. That's when a lot of gratitude comes up. When we pay attention to others and the efforts that they make. Also, when we put ourselves into a frame of mind that is willing to measure things, not just from our own views, perspectives, feelings, but is able to extend our perceptions and way of viewing things, how others feel, how they think, how they perceive, then there is then there can be room for a lot of gratitude. There is a certain network that draws us together. Empathy arises as well. There can be a lot of gratitude that comes into the heart when we're able to really extend ourselves beyond our own feelings, our own biases, our own perspectives. That is actually a very important thing to reflect on because so often we tend to get caught up in how we feel how we like things, what we dislike, what we want, what we don't want, and we measure the world, measure ourselves, and measure others from that perspective. Inevitably, that ends up being very limiting, very cramped and crowded. If we follow this attitude, it's easy to drift into negativity or just not to experience a sense of expansiveness in the heart. And that doesn't give much room for gratitude. There's something that I read not long ago, a book by Robert Wright, The Evolution of God. One of the things that he said was that in Islam, when you speak about somebody who's an unbeliever, somebody who's outside of the religion, the more literal translation of that is somebody who's ungrateful, which is very interesting in terms of the perspective of that religion. I didn't get the whole context because I don't know enough about Islam, but it was a very interesting perspective for a world religion. It was interesting to see how they look at what is the criteria for somebody who is within the religion, that when somebody is a non-believer, that means a person who is not grateful. It's a very human experience in the sense that for somebody to cut themselves off from something 
depends on the inability to experience gratitude. It cuts one off from someone. I mean, it cuts it cuts one off from something very important, something that is the lifeblood of one's humanity. So that's an interesting little factor that's worthy of reflection or taking note of. In reflecting on gratitude, there's a perspective created, a way of turning the mind away from negative and mental states. The tendency we all have is that if we reflect on things, it's easy to get caught in the negative. But in the way the Buddha has us investigating things, you can look at that, which is the drawback or the painful aspect of something. But you can also look at what is the benefit, what is the upside. You can reflect on things in this way. There's, there's a discourse where the Buddha talks about the impossibility of realization for someone who is without gratitude, or we may say someone prone to stinginess. It's not, not stinginess about material things so much as a narrow approach to experiencing the world. Without relinquishing this quality of stinginess, the mind is not able to experience first jhana, second jhana, third jhana, fourth jhana, stream entry, etc. The mind is not able to enter those more settled states of concentration or be open to insight and penetration. So it's the underlying quality of the mind that helps lay the foundation for the mind to settle and be clear. That's an important reflection in the sense of what is it that allows the mind to settle fully? What are the qualities that allow the mind to be genuinely peaceful? It's the building of a momentum of well-being, a momentum of wholesomeness, mental states that allow the mind to really settle. Of course, gratitude is a powerful quality that allows the mind to be bright, and we can reflect on that as we sit down for meditation. We cross our legs, get ourselves set up, get our posture upright, and rather than going into minding the breath immediately, we reflect, what do I have to be grateful for? There's a different quality of the mind that arises when we turn the mind to review and reflect what are the things that are worthy of gratitude. What are the occasions where others have helped me? What circumstances have been favorable? But I just thought that was really timely and really, really lovely. Look at gratitude as a, an expansive um, attitude, an attitude that opens us up to the wholesomeness within and without. So, Taking Lumpard's encouragement, you know, maybe spend time the next time you sit down to meditate and and begin before going to the breath or the body or whatever it is that our meditation objects is. Begin with, and you know, just try this on. What do I have to be grateful for? I know today I have an awful lot to be grateful for. And I'm benefiting from it. And I hope that you are too, or find things to benefit for, to be grateful for. So with that, thank you very much for joining us today. And I'd like to open it up. Maybe Jessica, if you have anything you'd like to share, and we'll open it up. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> 
just two things. Uh, one is that we have that book. The oh, grad, yeah, we have that book downstairs. Oh, we do. What, yes. is, what book is it? So it's called Gratitude. Oh. And it, <laughs> 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 yeah, and I uh, yeah, and it's a collected. Uh, so it's collected Lone for Liam and Ajahn Tomato and Ajahn Nafasno and Amro and Jaisaro. And, uh, and I know that because it's, it's been a book that's informed my whole practice. Oh, my whole uh, spiritual life, actually. People come and they ask me, you know, can I get a book about, you know, Ajahn Char? Can I get a, how do I practice meditation? Here, I'll show you the books. And I always say, you know, okay, yeah. And... <laughs> If you really want to practice, <laughs> oh, take okay. home gratitude. So if you're interested in a collection of essays on gratitude, I, I believe we have quite the copies actually. Oh, it goes out of print occasionally and then I get. Uh, then we need it, we need more. Um, and then just you know, the other thing about uh, that text this morning, I did, I got your text. And I, you know, I, I sort of went through a list of offering, like, okay, what can I offer to do? Can I offer a ride? Can I offer to teach? Or can I offer to what, you know? And then I was like, no, <laughs> how can I help? Yeah, it was really lovely. How can I help? And um, I learned that from a friend. I don't know why I had to learn it from a friend. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a friend who has a habit of walking into a room, almost any room she ends up in, I hear her say, how can I help? You know, as soon as she walks in and things are happening, she's like, how can I help them? Uh, and I, I like that. I like the feeling of that more than sort of sometimes. Sometimes it helps to make a specific offer, but actually when you're open, then how can I help? You know, gives, uh, gives an expansiveness to the offering. So. Um, 